Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by familiar guest of the show, Jordan Climac, to break down a lot of off-season action that has happened in the last couple of days. Jordan, how are you doing? Doing well, my sir. How are, how are you, man? How are you? How are you hanging in there? You, you enjoying this warm weather? Because I certainly am. I'm good, man. It's 60 oh, yeah. plus degrees every day in Chicago. That's what I, I was going to ask you. outside you... again. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. It feels like the spring. So I love that. And I also love that we have a lot more news to talk about yeah. as far as the NFL is concerned. I mean, the Adam Schefter notifications going on these last you know, 48 hours have been uh, off the charts uh, with the franchise tags. Yes, no, the Dak Prescott deal, all of that. So it's, look, I'm a football junkie for sure. I like basketball as well, but with no basketball games being played right now, with it being the all-star break, I hey, just hey, hey, perfect hey. timing for the- My uh, Cleveland State Vikings are, are they're, they're trying to get into the, the tournament right now, man. They're up 13 over Oakland, one win, and we're going dancing. Come on now. Mac tournament starting tomorrow. We got basketball, Hank. Come on. You're right. You're right. I was I was checking out some college <laughs> basketball this weekend. My uh, my Northwestern Wildcats aren't doing so well, but I did see uh, that Cleveland State is in the Horizon yeah. League final. Uh, but but we stick to Browns on, <laughs> on the show. We still and and the NFL, I should say, as well. So let's let's jump into it, Jordan, because we got to touch on the biggest story in the NFL because I think it relates to the Browns as far as how they view Baker Mayfield and his potential extensions. So if you were living under a rock and didn't see it, (laughs) Dak Prescott has agreed to an extension with the Dallas Cowboys. Four years, $160 million, including $126 million guaranteed. So the first three years, average of $42 million. Isn't he getting paid like I saw something he's getting like $72 million in that first year or something like that? Like they completely front-loaded his contract. Yeah, yeah, that's that is typically how it's done where they try to kind of take the hit early and and you do some stuff with the cash, you know, that's paid out and all that kind of stuff to to give you some more flexibility on the back end. The 49ers famously gave Garoppolo like 50 something million dollars of his contract in the first year. And yeah, so that's that's a common structure, but what were your thoughts uh, about this extension, first of all? Well, first of all, it's kind of like about time, you know. <clears throat> I was, I've, I've been wondering, like, it seems like this Dak Cowboys thing has been going on for, you know, like a, a couple of years at this point. I mean, it seems like it's been an ongoing saga. And to kind of just, you know, I, yeah, that was, I mean, my initial reaction right off the bat was, okay, yeah, finally they got it done. We can stop talking about if Dak Prescott is going to, you know, be the long-term answer at quarterback for – the Cowboys. And then my second thought was, what does this mean for the Browns? What does this mean for Baker Mayfield? Does this force the Browns hand to make a move with Baker, you know, right now or or sooner rather than later. And then, then you look at the dollar figures and then you got to ask yourself, is he going to get somewhere around 160 million? Cause if you start to break it down, you start to think, okay, Dak probably has the better stats. I mean, he's been in the league longer. I think he's been here since 2016 at Baker 2018. So it's like, you know, I, this is like, the stats aren't really comparable. I think Dak kind of blows them out in the water. But then, you know, the real stat is winning. And what have you done? Baker Mayfield has won more playoff games. I know it's just one, but still more playoff games than Dak Prescott. So I had to ask myself, Baker's going to he, – he's going to get more money than that, isn't he? I really, I think he really is. That's – like, it's, it's weird just being a Browns fan and kind of like, you know, when you see football news, you kind of 
kind of try and localize it and, and, and say, well, how does this affect the Browns? What does this mean for the Browns? Because we're Browns fans after all. And so that was my initial reaction, Henry, was finally we can stop talking about Dak Prescott. And then I started to be like, okay, what does this mean for Baker? And I really do think he's going to get more than that 160 mil, uh, Henry. Yeah. I, Which I, you, you don't look like you're too happy about that. <laughs> I, I look, I look, as has been noted on this podcast before, I'm a Baker Mayfield defender for the most part. I think Baker, given his coaching circumstances, everything that we've talked about on this podcast before has been given an unfair shake. And then when he was finally given a fair shake in this last season performed admirably. So uh, I, I certainly would defend him as far as his play is concerned, but I am just, look, I, I don't know if I can get on this, uh, on this train about paying quarterbacks, this percentage of the salary cap. I mean, how many teams are really happy when they've done this, like resetting the market, like that next man up mentality where, okay. And, and to be fair, Patrick Mahomes technically still has reset the market at 45 million, but I think we can all agree. He's an outlier, right? Yeah. So Deshaun Watson's 39 million and, and they come in with basically, you know, 40, you know, over 40 million for Dak. Man, I just, doesn't this feel like it puts a ceiling on the Cowboys? If it's, if it's $40 million a year going to Dak Prescott, I just, what do you, what do you do if, if he's got $40 million? I feel like this just limits your team so much. And I'm, I'm worried that's, you know, if, if the Browns are going to reset the market again with Baker Mayfield. Doesn't that mean like, Hey, no more Nick Chubb, no more of, of these skill players around him. That's kind of what it feels like to me. Yeah. And to your point, like in you, we have to, we have to, you know, mention as well, they signed Ezekiel Elliott to that kind of crazy contract. I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it, I mean, it was a, a crazy contract for running back. So you ask yourself, okay, if he has another year, that's kind of subpar, not up to his standards, do the Cowboys then start to be like, well, we're paying you a lot. Maybe we'll eat some of that and cut you. Like, you know what I mean? Though these, these all of a sudden become conversations that you're having because you're, you can't pay two guys that amount of money. So I, I, I get what you're saying. And I get your whole thing of like the resetting the market, because like, you remember a couple um, last year or, or this past year when the Browns signed Miles Garrett to that extension. And then it was like, okay, biggest contract in the history of the NFL for like a defensive end. Two weeks later, I think it was Joey Bosa then signed the biggest contract in history. So it's like, these things, they, they, I don't know how to describe it, but they like, like to your point, they reset the market and like, you see the one contract and then the next contract from that same position, it's all of a sudden like, okay, now we got to one up that because that's what this guy got. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. And for the Browns and not only the Browns, but other quarterbacks in the AFC North, Lamar Jackson, what is that, you know, what is that going to do for his contract? Josh Allen, what is that going to do for his contract? Because if we talked about winning and a Baker's done more than, Dak Prescott, well, so has Lamar Jackson. Well, so has Josh Allen. So I, I don't know. It's going to be crazy to see how this plays out, Henry. But I don't know. I, I, I think if you're the Browns, you have to move quickly here. You really do. Because I think you can get by this year with, you know, keeping Baker on his rookie contract. When we get into the next season and you start talking about that fifth-year option, that he's probably – he'd rather have the big contract. I don't know. I don't think you can get past – I don't think you can get two more years down the line with keeping Baker on the same deal that he is now and having everyone happy. I, I really just don't, especially seeing how much these guys are getting cashed out, man. If you're, if you're Baker and, and Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, the three names that I mentioned, and you see this last night, you're sitting there like, damn, man, I am about to break the bank somewhere. That's just how it is. 
I think you're right. I think ultimately, if I'm living in reality, the Browns have to extend Baker Mayfield and they should do it before Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson get their contract extensions. Yeah, think- that's such a good point too, because I don't want to have, these guys are already compared so much as it is. Then if you start to compare them by money, it's just, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> it's something I think, that I'd I, like to avoid. I think you have to, because there's just, they're going, if they demand a certain number, you know, that's kind of, you know, where Baker's going to start his negotiations. And so I can't wait for one of these teams to walk away. I, I get it. Look, Browns fans and, and I and you and everybody else listening out there know this more than anyone, that no quarterback is no hope, right? So you have to do yeah. this in a certain sense. But I look at it and I, I can't wait for the NFL team that says, hey, wait a minute. No, you know what? Dak Prescott coming off a gruesome ankle injury is not worth this. And we're going to walk away. We're going to franchise tag him. And if he plays well again, then maybe we'll revisit this this discussion. I don't think the Browns are the team to do that. And yeah, I don't think like, Baker who, Mayfield's a quarterback to do that. Do you have an example of anyone that has done that? Like, look at the oh. guys like Kirk Cousins who got paid out. Dak Prescott gets paid out. It's like... That's my point is at least done something is better than having the unknown at quarterback. And I think that's kind of how these franchises look at it. But that's my point is until somebody actually takes a leap into the unknown, I feel like that's unclear. Like you look at, (laughs) you look, you look at throw out Mahomes, throw out Wilson, throw out Rogers, right? You look at the other people getting more than, you know, $29 million guaranteed. It's Deshaun Watson at 39 million who wants out of Houston and is unhappy. Remember they just traded their star wide receiver and got rid of JJ Watt. You've got Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, and Ryan Tannehill. Like how many of those contracts are those teams looking at and going like, yes, what a steal. Like what a bargain. Like we can build our team around these guys with this contract. Like it's just, it makes it really hard and it's the value of the rookie contract. So I think it, it also reemphasizes that this offseason is really important because although it feels like the Browns window is really big, as soon as that contract money kicks in for Baker Mayfield, it gets a lot more difficult to win. It yeah, just, I, it's going to. See, I get what you're saying, but I don't think it's more about like, Hey, can we get this guy on a steal? I think it's more of like, Hey, can we be fair? Because like, I just think that's how it plays out. And I think we can both sit here and agree quarterback. Not only is it the most important position in football, arguably the most important position in sports. So that position is always going to be overcompensated probably if you look at it that way. So I don't think that I get what you're saying with like, I think you get into murky territories or murky water. If you're a GM or front office guy talking about like, Hey, let's try and lowball this guy. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) let's try and get a steal here. Like the Mariners and baseball just, their GM was just caught saying something along those lines and loses his job. So I don't think it's more of like getting a steal. I think it's just trying to be fair to these guys. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. <laughs> Look, it's, it's one of those things where, again, I, I can't wait for a team to actually do it, to take the leap into the unknown. It's like, I love when like the Rockets are like, Hey, we're just not going to play with a center in basketball. I love when teams like, yeah but go radical and experiment i just don't want it to be my team yeah so that's my (laughs) takeaway it's like it it, like in theory i i love the idea of somebody saying hey you know what like dak prescott's actually not worth 40 million dollars so we're just not gonna pay him that but but in the case of baker mayfield i watched a franchise not have a quarterback for 25 years like i'm i'm good uh we we can overpay him like i'll live with it and to your point about the rockets too it's like yeah, they were like, hey, let's let's just not play a center at all. And then, ironically, the team that wins the title last year is the Lakers, who have Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, Anthony Davis. Like, they they won the title because they were big and they were out-rebounding and out, you know, 
being more physical than other teams. So I, I get what you're saying, but like, hey, let's just let's chill out for a little bit, okay? Let's, let's just chill yeah. for a second. <laughs> okay, so if we're going to chill, even yeah, though I chilling. did just stress the hard, fact man. that this is a very important offseason, given the fact that Baker Mayfield is going to soon cost $40 plus million for the Browns. Let's let's go in a different direction. Let's talk. Let's talk more specific. Let's talk to here and now things that are actually being debated as, as the Browns are going into free agency. And we teased this a little bit on the last podcast. The tight end position, Jordan. Some mm-hmm. interesting stuff has happened there. Uh, there was Kyle Rudolph got released, and combine that with David and Joku and some cryptic tweets. And there was there it seemed like there was some momentum for the Browns to move on from David and Joku. He's six plus million dollars uh, in in cap uh, for his rookie contract here, and no penalty if he was to be released. Jordan, where are you at with the Browns' tight end group? Seeing that they've invested a first round pick in Joku, but they still went out and got Austin Hooper for that big contract in this last offseason. Yeah, it's interesting because, of course, this front office wasn't the. I mean, I guess Andrew Berry was around when when they did draft um, David and Joku, but. It wasn't the front office's pick, which is kind of like, you know, guys move on quicker from, you know, front offices move on quicker from guys that aren't their guys. But that being said, I like the tight end room. I like how it stands currently. When I saw this Kyle Rudolph was released, I, I just got to go on this mini rant real quick, Henry. The amount of Browns fans that were like the second he was released, I mean, within seconds, of that news breaking on Twitter was, Oh, Kyle Rudolph Browns. Oh, well, no, Kevin Stefanski. You know, he was on the Vikings. Kyle, Kyle Rudolph Vikings. It's like, stop. It's just like, do we not understand that every single, like I, Henry, I swear to God, every single free agent that's on the market, I've seen at least one person on Browns Twitter try and link them to the Browns. It's like, stop. <laughs> like, just stop. We aren't going to go after every single free agent. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like, you have to be logical when you – And I feel like Browns fans, I love you to death, but sometimes we are not the most logical fan base. I mean, let's just say it for what it is. And when I saw the Kyle Rudolph thing, I I really didn't understand that he's up there in age. His production has steadily been going down for years. Like, what like what is he going to bring to this team that David and Joku can't bring? Like, dude, I, my last image of David and Joku was dude balled out in that Chiefs game. He really did. That was probably his best game. As a Brown, I'm not going to count anything from his rookie year because it didn't matter. They were like 0-16 that year or whatever it was. His best game was against the Chiefs, and that's the team that you need to beat in order to do something in the AFC. So I'm, I'm fine with the tight end room as it stands. Let Harrison Bryant develop a little more. When it comes time to make a decision on Harrison Bryant, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that path when we get there. But I like it as it stands with Hooper, Bryant, and Njoku. I was high on Harrison Bryant coming out of the draft um, you know, everything that I've read, all the people that I talked to in particularly in Brown's training camp this past year, every time I talked to someone, it was look out for Harrison Bryant. Like this dude can ball. I thought he had kind of a rough year, had trouble holding on to the ball. And then it seemed like after he had those issues of holding on to the ball, he was kind of pressing and like, he wasn't trying to fight for extra yardage. He was kind of just gripping the ball and going down because he didn't want to fumble it. So I don't know, but I, I like this tight end room as it stands, Henry. I like Hooper. I like Njoku. I like Bryant. I don't see the need to get like maybe Njoku wants to move on. Maybe not. If you're him, you're smart. You're going to stick here, stay, stay on a winning team. And then maybe you can have moments like you did in that chiefs game and see where that takes you. But I like the tight end room as it stands. I don't think you need to disrupt any of that. I think Stefanski values the tight end position. And I think that he himself likes what he has in that room. So I don't see why we are would 
And I don't think we are going to move on from that. I don't think so either. I, I was you disapp- in Joku though. Yeah. That's- so I, I would say I was disappointed in his first couple of years for the yeah. same reasons you talked about with Harrison Bryant. I thought there were just too many key drops in key situations. The Browns needed him a lot of times on third down when he could not deliver. And I, I was disappointed in, in that. And you, you factor in the injury issues. And I was like, pretty disappointed by him as a first round pick, but but I think it goes deeper than that Chiefs game. I thought he had a great season this year. I thought overall he had yeah. a much better season as a Browns player. It seemed like he fit in way more with the system. You mentioned it. Kevin Stefanski loves to play with multiple tight ends on the field. Yes, I feel like the Browns are a little overinvested in tight end right now. It's a weird situation that they use a draft pick on a tight end. They signed Austin Hooper and Heaven Joku. That feels like one too many guys in that room right now. But so here- if you're going to be over-invested in a position, at least it's a position that you're going to use a lot. And yeah. if it ends up that Njoku has a bad year and you let him walk, like, okay, that's fine. And so here's the thing with Njoku that really impressed me this year, Henry, is for so long and going into this year, and even at earlier parts early on in this season, I was like, this dude is jacked out of his mind. This dude is cut. <laughs> I mean, we've all seen Instagrams of him benching, bench pressing, lifting weights with his shirt off and all that. It's like, dude, you are cut you look like you're stronger than anyone that you would go against. So where is the blocking? Like how, how can you not apply that strength to the run game? How can you not apply that to some pass blocking schemes? Like what, why are we not seeing that? I think we really did start to see that towards the end of the year. I can't name a game off the top of my head, but there was a couple of times where I remember watching the games and I'm watching pretty intently, Henry. And I'm, I'm, I remember saying to myself a handful of times, like Njoku just cracked the hell out of that guy. Like he started blocking and he started being more physical. And to me, when you're doing that, and you're not really catching the ball, that to me screams that you bought in. You bought into this locker room. You bought into the message that Kevin Stefanski is preaching. And when, you, and like when you're not producing and when you're not getting the reps and you're not getting the you know, balls thrown at you that you would like to have as a tight end with someone like Njoku, who I think has a lot of confidence in his game, like it's really easy to just be like, nah, I don't, I don't give a shit anymore. I don't, I don't need to block. I don't, I don't want to block. Like if I'm not going to get the ball thrown my way, why am I going to put my ass on the line going up against someone. And, and I think he didn't have that mindset. I think early on he did when all that trade nonsense came out, but he bought in at some point, Henry. And I really liked when he bought in because he, I think all those tight ends collectively, Harrison Bryant, probably less than Hooper and Njoku, they played a huge role in this run game, the success that this run game saw all year. You're 100% right. The, the, the blocking stats on David Njoku this year were massive, massive improvements. If you look at PFF, I think he ranked seventh among tight ends in in pass blocking. If you look, I saw a a stats and info uh, from Cody Sweck, who's a a writer for OBR at 24 seven sports. He had, uh, he tweeted out that he was sixth in blown block percentage, meaning he blew the towards the bottom of the league in terms of blocks in the run game, as well as a tight end, basically all the metrics, as far as blocking go out there, were like, Hey, David Njoku made a massive, massive leap in that area this season. And it's one of those things that you don't always see as a casual fan, but part of the reason that made Gronk and so many of these tight ends so good is they block. Yeah. It, it makes them so versatile is, is when they're on the field, they're not just a matchup problem in the receiving game. They're also a matchup problem because if you don't pay attention to them, they steamroll you in the running game too, especially with Nick Chubb running behind them. And Njoku made that transition this year in a way that we hadn't seen in the past. So if he's going to do that, 
He's worth uh, so much more than Kyle Rudolph. And we'll just keep him oh, around. Yeah. And, and uh, assuming that continues, we'll sign him again. And I don't get why all of a sudden there was a, a movement to get rid of him on Browns Twitter. I, I'm, I'm there with you. I was lower on you know him, I feel like, than almost anybody. And now I've turned the other way. Yeah, and you know what it was with Browns Twitter is the fact that he requested that trade. And you know how Browns fans and people in Cleveland gets. Like the second you're like, I don't want to be here. And then it's like, well, if you're not one of us, then F you. We don't want you anymore. And like, that's kind of how I think that whole thing played out with Njoku and his fan base is like the second he was like, I don't want to be here. And we're all like, wait, we're, we got good for like the first time ever. Now you don't want to be here. Well, we don't, I, we don't want you here then. And uh, again, I think that all changed when he started to buy in and, and you could see it on the field. I, I agree. And part of me wonders, total theory, total conjecture, if he demanded that trade and you could see why with the, the signing of Austin Hooper and he found out there wasn't really that big of a market for him. I wonder if that caused an attitude shift in him, because usually if you see a guy demand a trade, you wouldn't think all of a sudden, Oh, now he's going to do the dirty work. That seems like it would go the opposite way. Right. right. But all of a sudden, instead Njoku made this transition to a guy who was going to put his body on the line, who's going to block. And so I wonder if that was maybe a little humbling where it's like, Oh, you demanded a trade. Well, guess what? Sorry. Yeah, no, no, there aren't any takers out there for you. And I yeah. wonder if that's what contributed to it. I don't know. I, I think that's a solid theory. I think one other thing is it's probably either that Henry or it's probably a combination of both these things. Actually, it's probably a combination of that. He was humbled in the fact that, yo, there really isn't a huge market for you. And, and you thought that when you requested this trade, you're going to have people, you know, like the phones were going to be blowing up immediately. That didn't happen. I think what also probably happened was he comes out and says that, you know, Stefanski, Barry, they sit down with him. Well, I guess not really sit down with him because it was probably over Zoom, but they Zoom with him, whatever, sit down and like, dude, like, I, I, I get that you're frustrated. Everyone's having to adjust, right? Like this offense is good for one of the first times that we can remember. Like everyone is kind of probably wanting more touches than they're getting. Here's the issue. We see you as part of this team long-term. We see you fitting into this team. We see you being a part of this offense. We see us scheming up things to get you open, which we saw in that Chiefs game. He was open over the middle of the field all day. We see you fitting into this run block game. Like We see you as a part of this team, and we want you as a part of this team. And I think it was probably a combination of that and the whole thing that you said about him kind of you know being humbled by what kind of offers weren't out there per se. But yeah, I think it was probably a combination of both those things that got him to be like, okay, time to put time to just put my nose in the dirt and start grinding. I I was shocked at, at his improvement this season, and now I couldn't believe that that after this season it was the time when Brown Twitter wanted to get rid of him. But Jordan, there was also one other big piece of news that came out of the Browns today, actually, in a surprising one. I thought Adrian Claiborne. A, a defensive end who served, I thought, admirably as a rotational option for the Browns this last season was released. And so last year he signed a two-year, almost $6 million deal with the Browns, but given the guaranteed money of it and everything, this basically saved the Browns $3 million in cap space. And it was surprising, given the fact that uh, Olivier Vernon's out pretty much for next year, given his Achilles injury. A lot of people were saying, hey, Claiborne will be in the mix of the rotation there, maybe with the rookie. So this got Browns fans and myself in particular thinking, is this an indication that the Browns have something lined up here in free agency as far as their plans opposite Miles Garrett next season? 
Yeah, I, I had that same thought. And isn't it funny, Henry? The last time we recorded, I think that podcast released on Monday, we were sitting here like, I don't know how you can go into a season with Adrian Claiborne being your lone guy, like alongside Miles Garrett. And <laughs> it seems to me like the Browns were probably sitting there like, I don't know how we can go into this season with Adrian Claiborne alongside Miles Garrett. And, uh, and, and, and they made the move to cut him. And to me, to your point, Henry, to me, right when I saw that, it said two things. One, we're definitely still valuing this edge rush position. And I don't think we looked at it as like, okay, we couldn't get JJ Watt. We're done with that. We'll see if we can add to our secondary, whatever. No, I think it was, no, we're still focused on the edge rush position because we know how important it is. I think that there is a big splash to come for this Browns team in this offseason. I don't know what it is, but this is the kind of move that kind of signals you to say they're gearing up for something because a lot of the times when these moves happen, you look back and like, oh, the writing was on the wall. They were cutting guys to get salary open. And and we kind of see how that played out. I really do think that something big is to come, Henry. Can't tell you what it is because I don't really know, but something's going to happen. It it seems like that, right? Because – the Browns didn't need the 3 million, right? Like they have cap space right now. So this would indicate that they've already had conversations where either they're expecting to go after somebody big that hasn't been reported or rumored yet. One of you know, this, this defensive end class is deep, this edge class with, with pass rushers in it, Carl Lawson, Shaq Barrett, all the way down the line. And the other option could be that they've had conversations and they're doing the math. They're adding up, Hey, we're going to add one guy here, one guy there. We're going to need more space. If the numbers we're talking about come to fruition. So either way, I think it either augurs a big name or two to three pretty sizable additions that are going to impact this team from a cap space perspective, which is why they needed to move on for Claiborne. The question is, who could the players be? Yeah, that's see, that's a million dollar question, Henry. And you know, you and I were chatting a little bit earlier pre podcast. I, I sent you that tweet of uh, Carl Lawson. I mean, first of all, dude looked cut out of his mind. Like, my God, uh, chill out in the weight room there, man. Jesus Christ. But like, <laughs> like he, uh, so I think that he's a name that I think the Browns probably have on their radar. And again, like, it's one of those things I think he. I don't think it's came out yet that the Bengals officially are going to move on from him, but it really does seem like that. What did he say? Um, hold on. I have the tweet here. He said something about like ready for a new beginning or something. Uh, what was it? What was it? What was it? Guns for hire. That's what he said. And he had this, you know, his huge, his big ass arms in the picture. So he said guns for hire. So I think that means that he's ready to move on from the Bengals and, and they're not going to chase him in doing so. He's going to be expensive, Henry, but, you know, that's one of those names that we have been talking about all offseason. It was, I think, J.J. Watt, Carl Lawson, Von Miller. Any, any one of those three, I think we were all thinking, could end up on the Browns. We probably thought Watt was the most likely. That didn't happen. We'll see how it plays out. But I do think that Carl Lawson is a guy that this front office is going to have an eye on. Um, do, you, do you know off the top of your head how old he is, Henry? He's, 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 young, he's a younger guy now. Yeah, I think Carl Lawson is going to demand a pretty long contract given his age, uh, and I'm looking at that up right now. Twenty six, uh, twenty five years old. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I mean, given his production, the Bengals probably aren't going to invest that kind of money back in him. Uh, it would seem. Look, it's it's possible. I I would be that. That's definitely not what I would have predicted. 
would you be would you be satisfied with it though oh yeah i yeah okay. well i i think so uh he could come in at such a price i mean again it, it gets to the point where it's like again if he comes in at that big of a price and and for three four year con i mean five year contract probably in his case you start looking down the line that augurs that the the, the browns are going to be have you know having to make some roster decisions down the line here as far as their veteran players as far as extensions for cream hunt nick chubb etc that might mean those are off the table so I think in general, though, I'd be behind it. Look, you can yeah, get see, one yeah. chance. This team's probably not going to have a lot of cap space in the future. I think I'd I could get behind Carl Lawson for sure. He's look, he terrorized the Steelers on that yeah. Monday night game where they that's, upset the Steelers. That's all and, I needed to see in here. <laughs> and, and and so look, he's going to produce. And if that's the case, if you're getting a guy that's going to produce in free agency, yeah, I could get behind it always. And I have to say this too, like I I understand the what you're saying about like it's probably going to have to be a four or five year deal. And then, you know, you risk the run, you know, the ch- chance of him getting hurt. And then all of a sudden the production starts to fall. And then you're stuck in a situation where you have a bad contract and you have to address it down the line of, are you going to cut this guy and eat some of that cap? Or what are you going to do with that? Or are you just going to let him ride it out and eat that cap? I get that to me though, Henry, that just, that screams like you're going about the off season scared. And I don't think that that's the way to do it. I think this is the time to go all in. Look, we, we know in sports you have a small window to win things, unless you're the Patriots, which are like the outlier in all of sports. You have a small window. It's usually a two- to three-year window. It opens quickly, Henry, and, God, it closes probably quicker than it opens. So you this is the time to go all in. This is not the time to be scared, worrying about how that contract's going to play out down the line. You address those things when you need to. I think now you put all of your chips in the middle of the table and say, we are going all in. We understand we have a window to win and we're going to go for it. I just think it's that simple. I really do. Uh, I, I think it makes sense. Look, I, I, I'm right there with you. I just, I, I, there are some Browns I want to see on this roster too long-term. So I guess that's my yeah. only concern, but look, you look at, as, as I said, Jack, Jack Barrett's going to be on the market. Now I think he's going to go back to Tampa Bay, but they, they franchised, uh, they franchise tagged Chris Godwin today. So they're not going to do that with Shaq Barrett. JJ Watts already off the market. So the next uh, look, according to PFF, that's the next guy, Carl Lawson, and they only project him they uh, at four years, thirteen point seven five as the average per year. So to me, that's that's not too bad. That's stomachable uh, yeah. for sure. If you're the bounds with their cap space, you know there's also Yannick Ngakwe on the market, Melvin Ingram on the market. Uh, I look, these guys are gonna get pressed a little bit. So and, and maybe if it's not those guys, as I said, it could also be a Trey Hendrickson. Uh, or it could be a uh, what a Romeo Quara from from the Lions, you know, somebody like that. That they're a step below those guys, but their market gets compressed because ever you know the the team that had the most money went after Shaq Barrett, not those guys. So the Browns get them on a cheaper deal, and then maybe also had a safety to the mix. Now, some safeties were tagged today that the Browns you know potentially could have gone after Marcus May, Marcus Williams, a, a, a couple a couple ones went off the board, but there's still it's a really deep class even so at, at safety. So I'm really excited based on the news today that that Claiborne news was just like it was like a little a little antenna went up, and I was like. <laughs> huh, that feels like it wasn't necessary unless something else is coming. And that's mentioned too. Like uh, we, we heard from uh, Justina Anderson earlier today and she said that she spoke with Adrian Claiborne and he was kind of like, yeah, like I get it. Like we talked, uh, you know, we talked last night and 
you know, they wanted to free up cap room. I get the whole cap situation. It seems like even he was like, yeah, I mean, I get it. They're going to go, they're getting ready to make a push at someone. Like that's what, that's what it seems like to me. And I'm ready. Let's go. What are we waiting on? Come on. Like Henry, these next, this next week or so is going to be crazy. This is like, like, you know, I, I always waited for the NFL offseason to become like the NBA offseason. You know, we get that stretch in every NBA offseason. It was different this year, but it usually comes in like the beginning of July where like literally you open up Twitter and it's, whoa, is this person signed here? Whoa, is that person was traded here? Whoa, is this person signed here? Like the NFL is starting to become that way. And I, and I, I got to say, I'm digging it, man. For sure. And this is, a, it's an especially interesting year. It's look, it's, it's not good for the players. Everybody understands that a declining cap is bad for the players right now. But, but if you look that, at the news, that cap is going to go up. I don't know if you saw the recent news with this Amazon TV deal that's about to get done with the NFL. So Amazon is going to get a deal done with the NFL to allow their games to be streaming over Amazon Prime, I believe, which in turn will drive up the, uh, the cost for these cable networks to air their games. And let's be honest, they're going to pay it because it's the NFL and they get viewership. So it's going to go down now, but that cap is going to skyrocket in the years to come. Oh, for sure. So I, a couple of things on that. So number one, this is a one-year blip, right? The cap is going to bounce back next year. This is a one-year issue. And then secondly, on top of that, yes, three, four years down the line, that is the good thing if you're a team like the Browns is I saw Adam Schefter's follow-up tweet to the Dak Prescott uh, news being that this is an indication from Jerry Jones about just how big the next TV deal is going to be more than yeah. anything else three, four years down the line from now. So you're right. And what that means to me for this season is a lot of one-year contracts where teams are going to look, you know, to go where there's opportunity and to go where there's a chance to win. And I think the Browns provide both of those things. There is going to be opportunity to play on this defense and there's going to be a chance to win and win big. So there could be a lot of guys where, in a normal year, they'd be getting multi-year deals with, with more guaranteed money, but hey, maybe they take a one-year deal to come to the Browns. Maybe it's two years, and it's a little bit more less money than they expect, but it's a good team-friendly deal, and look, we're already seeing it. These guys aren't going to have a lot of options. A lot of mid-tier free agents didn't get franchise tax. A, lo a lot more got cut in these last couple of days as well. It's looking like a bloodbath for the players, but that's exciting as a team – that can offer things besides money. And that's what the position that the Browns are in right now. Yeah. And to your point about the one year deals too, like, of course we only have really one season, one off season to judge or say like, Hey, this was a trend going on with this front office, but we saw that the a handful of one year deals on that defense last year. It'll be interesting to see if they address it that same way. I kind of tend to think that they're going to spend a lot more money on that defense than just these one year deals. But Hey, like I said, that's how they address it last year. I mean, that's all we have to go. That's all we can base things off of right now. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I think that it's, to me, how this plays out is one big contract on defense and you surround that big contract with a handful of one-year deals. That's how kind of how I see this playing out. Yeah, and I, I think they might, I think it could be one big one and maybe one or two mid-tier ones, we'll see. I, I, I lean towards kind of what you were saying at the beginning there that they are going to invest some uh, more of this cap space in this defense beyond yeah. one year deals. I think they are going to try to get some guys on the books that are in their mid twenties that can grow and be a part of the core of this team because they just, they need more core guys on that defense, right? You can't swap out eight starters every year. Yeah. And so I think they will try to get a couple of those guys in there, but yeah, I think on top of that, there'll definitely be some one year deals that it's like, Hey, you're going to get an opportunity here. You're going to be competing with the rookie for a starting spot on a good team that hopefully is going to be in the playoffs and give you a chance next year's free agency to cash in. And 
Look, Cleveland's never been a big free agent destination. I don't think we need to tell the listeners out there by any means, but if there were ever a year where they're going to get somebody to take a, a discount deal, I think this is it. Yeah. And like, I mean, you touched on it. Like you don't want to be shuffling faces in and out of that defense. You want some core pieces that you can build around like you have on offense. And I mean, Henry, let's just be honest right now. I mean, outside of Denzel Ward, outside of Miles Garrett, and probably I'd throw Sheldon Richardson into that. Who else on this defense would even start on another defense? I, I, I know had that's a- harsh. That's harsh to say, but I, I think if you really look at it and break it down, like there's some credence to that statement. Like I really do think it's, it's Miles Garrett, Stenzel Ward, Sheldon Richardson. Other than that, I mean, it's kind of just, you know, take it or leave it, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I, I look, I had a, a different guest on, on this podcast, Ari Ross, say that it was just Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. They're the only two guys that would start on every other team across the league and that nobody else. Sheldon in there, come on. Yeah, and I was like, hey, I think that's being a little unkind. I thought that was being unkind to Olivier Verdon, too, at the time. Obviously, things have changed since yeah. the injury. But you look at the back end of this defense, there's not a lot of guys you can pencil in. As, no. A, they're, you know, they're rotational guys. And, and you just, you need more than that if you're going to compete on, on the highest levels against the Chiefs and the Bills. And so that's why I think the, the Browns are going to address it. But boy, the, uh, it has started as far as yes. the offseason movement. That is for sure. I mean, Free agent uh, frenzy, let's go. It was, it was crazy. I mean, I, it was kind of, at first, I was a little bit disappointed today. You know, I saw, you know, Marcus May get franchised, Marcus Williams, but this Adrian Claiborne news came out, and I like Adrian Claiborne too. It's yeah. not, I, and I was like, oh, okay, okay. And so now I'm just, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm waiting. I'm ready. And especially seeing too, like how I just talked about all those one year deals. He was actually a two year deal for that defense last year. So I kind of thought, like, okay, that's two years for him. I, I think we were expecting to get two years out of him. And to see him get cut today, yeah, it was one of those things where you said your antenna went up. My eyebrows went up. So it's like, let's go, man. Let's, let's, let's start making some noise. And that'll yeah. all come next week, right? Like, uh, this is the week where kind of like everyone kind of just figures out who's going to be out there. And then next week is the week where all of a sudden it's like, boom, 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 boom. All these guys are getting bought up. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's going to be tons and tons to talk about. Jordan. We might have to do a podcast I, every day next week, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if your schedule allows it, mine certainly does. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always ready, but uh, it's, it's going to be, I can't wait. I can't wait. Browns fans, I hope you're as excited as we are out there as well. Plenty more to talk about. There will definitely be several podcasts coming in your feed next week as well. Jordan, the free agent frenzy is upon us. Now it's, it's upon, time. It's upon us. It is time. Andrew Barry, work your magic. Put on your wizard hat. Let's let's go. Let's go. All right. I think we'll I think we'll cut it there. I think we'll wrap there. I think we could also go for three hours just because there's so anytime, much exciting stuff to talk about. Nights, we could we could go until, until they <laughs> told us to stop, Henry, or, or they shut our internet down or whatever. Yeah, I think I I, I think the listeners though uh, appreciate us uh, at least at least cutting it off at a reasonable time. So okay. so we'll wrap it there, guys. But but yes, there will be plenty more of content coming on this feed all off season and especially next week with everything going on. Browns fans, in the meantime, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you can find Jordan, you can find me. Search us up. We're going to be talking Browns all the time. Can't wait to bring all this content to you. But until next time, Browns fans, just two words for you: Go Browns.